Good morning, everyone. Praise be unto God who giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ. We are so grateful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you for your, first of all, thank you for your prayers last week. Um, I was ill, uh, but the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling much better this week. And I am glad to be here with you today to worship and to praise our Father's name, the Most High God the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who has the final say. So we come together on this Sabbath day to worship and to give praise unto his holy and his righteous name. I'm excited for the word today. Mm -hmm. How many of you know that we are in the last days mm -hmm. and that God is speaking, that his spirit is moving upon this earth? Mm -hmm. And I believe that the the uh, the children of God need to tune their in tune their ears yeah. in to what He is saying yeah. in this hour. So I'm praying for our pastor today as he uh, begins to uncover and unveil what the Lord is saying to mm -hmm. us. Let us go before the Word of God. Let us go before the throne with prayer. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day. Yes, God. We thank you for another opportunity just to come together and worship you. Yeah. Father, we know that it is in unconventional means, yes. but your spirit is everywhere. Yes, you are present everywhere. Yeah. So just as you reside with us in this house, Lord mm -hmm. God, thank you for residing with all of the others in their homes yeah. as they Come and worship us to get worship you with us together. Yeah. Father, we magnify and we glorify your name. We give your name glory and yes, honor God. because it is due you. Yes, Lord. And we ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would just meet us here. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your healing power. Father. Thank you for your provision that you have made for us. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord God, for keeping us throughout this year. Yes. Thank you, Lord God, for your hand of mercy and mm -hmm. grace that you have bestowed upon each and every one of us, mm -hmm. Lord. Your loving mercy is better than life itself, yes, and God. we thank you and praise you thank for you, it. God. I ask that you bless our pastor right now. Mm -hmm. Crown him with wisdom. I ask in the mm -hmm. name of Jesus that you would give him an in-season mm -hmm. word, yes. that you would speak to us, your people, through your word, Jesus. Lord God. I'm thanking you for strength. I'm thanking mm -hmm. you for encouragement. Mm -hmm. I'm thanking you, Lord God, for leading us and guiding us yeah. through your, your eternal word. Yeah. Heaven and earth shall pass away, yeah. but your word will stand forever. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Lord. Thank Speak you. to us today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. For God is worthy to be praised. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, can you believe we are in the middle of December of 2020, and 2020 is just about over? Can you believe that? Despite all that has gone on this year, the worldwide pandemic, which we are still in, the civil unrest, which we're still having, not to mention the election, this year has seemingly flown by. But the good news to that is we are still here by God's grace. And in his mercy, he has given us another chance, another opportunity to draw closer to him. 
So we give God praise for his grace. We give God praise for his mercy. Now, as we get ready to go into where God is going to lead us, and I recognize, I understand that this is the Christmas season that we are in, and the usual practice is to focus on this season, which is a good thing to do, because Jesus is truly the reason for this season, but I also believe and led that we are in one of the most prophetic times in history, and God is speaking. And so I believe that God has given me a prophetic mandate, so I must be obedient to that mandate on today. Now, I want to describe or, or explain or give a definition to a prophetic mandate. A prophetic mandate is an authoritative command from the Lord. It's an authoritative command from the Lord. It is an authorization, an order or commission given through God the Holy Spirit, and it is upheld with his word. Because the Bible is not just a book of words, it's the voice of God in print. So I'm under a prophetic mandate today, it's an authoritative command from God, to speak on where we're going on today. So turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. That's where we'll begin. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18 is where we'll focus at first. That's where we'll begin. Now, John, let me get some context to John. He is known as the apostle of intimacy. His epistles form a trilogy of intimacy. He wrote to believers whom he addressed in 1 John as little children. He speaks about obedience. He speaks about walking with God in righteousness. He, spoke, he speaks and writes about submission to the truth and the functioning in love as being key elements of being intimate with God. Now, one of the mega themes that John writes about is truth and error. Truth and error, because there were false teachers teaching that since the physical body does not matter, they encouraged believers to throw off all moral restraints, which is a false teaching. So John was combating that. They also taught these teachers, or so-called teachers, taught that Christ was not really a man and that we must be saved by having some special mystical knowledge some special mystical knowledge. And the result was the people became indifferent to sin. In other words, they did what they thought was right in their own sight, which is similar to what happened in the Old Testament over and over again, where then God had to put some corrections in place in order to get their focus back to where it needs to be. Now, the truth of the matter is this. God is truth and light. So the more you get to know him and not just about him, the better you can keep focused on the truth. Now, don't be led astray by any teaching that denies Christ's deity and his humanity. Because he was all human, but he was all God when he walked upon this earth. Amen? And let's see what this scripture has to say to us. Let's, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18, starting with verse 18, it says this. Little children, 
it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now, let me talk about eschatology. It is that aspect of biblical doctrine that deals with last things, which comes from the Greek eschatos, or final, or last times, or last. all believers in every generation both lived in anticipation of Jesus' second coming, and he saw his era uh, as one when that was a concluding generation. But I don't know about you, I feel that we are the concluding generation as well. So this, is, this thought has happened in every generation since Jesus left that we are to be in anticipation and in an expectation of his return. Now, Jesus desires his kingdom disciples to live in expectation with anticipation of his return. The version Bible verse of the day today came from Luke chapter 12, verse 40, which says, Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Now let me tell you this. We are closer now than we were yesterday. It's just a plain truth. John not only addresses the lateness of the hour of history as he views it, he also addresses the subject of Antichrist, a commonly discussed theme when eschatology is studied. This spirit, hear me, is not a new spirit. And what's being released in the earth now is not new either. You hear me? The Antichrist spirit is not a new spirit. And what's being released now or has been released is not new either. The spirit of Antichrist, the rapture of the church, and the great tribulation, the restoration of the nation of Israel, and the millennial reign of Christ on earth are all among the many subjects the Bible describes as last things. The Bible clearly says these things will occur. However, it is unclear of the exact time. And in many cases, it does not conclusively give the sequence or the exact manner of the fulfillment of the events. The important thing that you need to remember is that God gives us enough light so that we can see it if you want to see it, but he also gives it enough shadows that if you don't want to see it, you won't see it. You hear me? You hear me? And even though God is a God of season, cycles, and order, he does not always operate chronologically. He does not always operate chronologically. That means he don't always go from A to Z. Sometimes he goes from A to Y, back to B to C to D to G and F. God it does not operate chronologically according to our calendar, yeah. but to his prophetic calendar. Yeah. Amen. So when it comes to God, you need to remember this. He is the sovereign of the universe. He is the God of history, which is his story. And because it's his story, he already knows the end from the beginning. Because he is all wise and he will be 
vindicated because he is all just. You, re, you need to remember that his son Jesus will come to the earth again for his church and not for the world this time. And that there will be a final judgment with reward of eternal life in heaven promised to the redeemed and judgment of eternal loss in hell for the portion of those unregenerated or those that are unbelievers. Now, you need to understand this about the Antichrist spirit. It's a movement, not a man. In other words, it's a movement, not a man. In other words, don't get so focused on wait, looking for and seeking out one man. The Antichrist spirit is a movement and not a man. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. In verse 1, it says this. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit, whether they, spirits, in King James with an S, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Verse 2 says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and the verse goes on to say, and even now already is in the world. Verse 4, and, and this is where we'll stop for right now. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Verse number 3 again says, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and now even already is in the world. Now, the Antichrist or Antichristos in Greek literally means one who stands against Christ, opposed to Christ, or is an enemy of Christ. The Antichrist or Antichristos literally means one who is against Christ, opposed to Christ, or an enemy of Christ. It also can mean one who puts themselves in place of Christ, a usurper of authority of Jesus Christ. This demonic spirit masquerades as a false Christ, and seeks to deceive many into believing its wicked lies about the person and the work of the one true Christ. Now, this spirit often raises up thoughts against God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in people's minds. It raises up negative thoughts that make you critical of the person of Christ, his teachings, the church, the Christian faith, and even other Christians. But the ultimate goal of the Antichrist spirit is to turn a person completely away from Christ or off the path of following Christ in order to accomplish its work of total spiritual, emotional, and physical destruction. In other words, it does not mean any... Let me put it this way. It don't mean to do you no good. 
Its ultimate goal is to destroy you spiritually, emotionally, physically. It means to destroy you, to take you off the path. It means to keep you off the path or to turn you completely around from following Christ. Now, let me tell you something about the, the, uh, the anti Antichrist spirit. Everything the spirit of God loves, the spirit of Antichrist hates. Everything the spirit of God loves, the spirit of Antichrist hates. The first thing I want to, well, the first, uh, uh, I'll say, the first thing I want to say about that is this. The Antichrist hates God. The Antichrist spirit hates God. The devil wants the attention that God, that only God deserves. He hates all righteousness and goodness. He wants evil to triumph. And the evidence of his work in the earth is people hating God and the things of God, but they are celebrating sin. Do you hear me? The evidence of his work in the earth right now today is people hating God, the things of God, but celebrate sin. He hates God. The Antichrist spirit, check this out, hates life. The devil doesn't have power to create because he is not God and he was created himself. Now, the devil does not have a body. So therefore, he lives, but he don't have life. You hear me? He lives, but he doesn't have life. Any spirit without a body is illegal on earth. The most powerful weapon on earth used in conjunction, in conjunction with your spirit is your dirt body. We came from the dirt, right? That is the most powerful weapon on earth used in conjunction with your spirit. Your body keeps you legal and in authority on the earth. It keeps you legal and in authority on the earth. That's why the devil and his demons are trying to become legal by using your body to take authority on the earth. That's why they want to possess those unbelievers. That's why he wants to oppress the believers. That's why he wants to suppress the believers because if he knows that if he gets your body, he can be in authority in the earth, which makes him legal. Mm. He hates your life because as long as you are in your body, you have authority to put him under your feet and have the power to cast demons out. Mm. The Antichrist spirit hates your life. The Antichrist spirit hates the family. It has been proven that children thrive when they have a godly mother and godly father in the home. And the reason why the devil wants to destroy marriages is because marriage is a visible representation of the kingdom of God. Yes. Mm. 
Dr. Tony Evans puts it this way. He says, God established marriage and created the first family. A man and a woman together were to reflect God's image, which is unity in diversity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now the marriage union fully expresses who God truly is. It is the most comprehensive manifestation of his image on earth as well as the foundation for a stable society. Do you hear me? The foundation of a stable society is a godly marriage and the, and the, spirit, the Antichrist spirit hates marriage because without marriage, godly marriage is in place, the, the, the foundation of society is unstable. Mm. Satan loves and he thrives in chaos. But God, the Holy Spirit, is hovering over chaos and he's getting ready to bring things in order. Praise God. He hates marriage. The Antichrist spirit hates authority. Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14, you don't have to turn there, I'll read them in the New King James says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. Now, the most high, Elyon, means the uppermost, supreme, elevated, high in rank, and exalted. He don't like authority. He wants to be like him. In other words, he don't want to have God over him. He wants to be equal to him. But he can't be equal to our God, right? Now, when he says that, it becomes a divine title when it's paired with one of the names of God, El Elyon or Elohim. Satan was once an angel named Lucifer who fell in love with his own beauty, and he fell into pride and self-centeredness. Last week, I told you pride makes God sick to his stomach, just like in Revelation, being lukewarm makes God sick to his stomach, to where he has to spew you out. Mm. And if you keep reading that passage, though, the good news is, from verses 15 through 20, it reveals that the Most High has the final say. He tells Satan that he will be thrown into hell, that he will be made a spectacle, that he will be talked about, mocked and scorned, that he will be cast out of his grave like a carcass, which means Satan will never have any rest. And ultimately, he will be cast into hell and he will be all alone, even though there will be millions around him. He will be all alone. Satan hates being under authority, so therefore... His spirit hates being under authority, which is the opposite of Christ and his spirit. Because Christ, all, Jesus said all through the Gospels, I am coming to do what my father would have me to do. I'm parenthetically uncertain. And I am under the authority of my father. And he is the, Satan is the complete opposite of what Jesus is. Mm. 
The spirit, the Antichrist spirit, hates the prophetic word of God. As I said last week, prophetic preaching is something that all preachers, preachers must do on occasion. Some of us relish that job while others shy away from it. But if we are true preachers of the gospel of the kingdom, we must not only provide a vision for a better world, but we need to confront the powers in this world that stand in the way of that vision. The Antichrist spirit stands in the way of that vision. Uh, why? Because the heart, let me say this about him hating the prophetic word. The heart of real prophecy is Jesus Christ himself. The heart of real prophecy is Jesus Christ himself. The word prophecy not only defines the Bible, but confines all prophecy that claims to be true to the will of God by Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It's not, it, it, it confines it to the truth of the word. Like I told you last week, you have to fall in love with the truth of the word. And the heart of all prophecy is Jesus Christ himself. And since Satan hates Jesus because he is God's son, he hates the prophetic word because it's centered, real prophetic word, true prophetic word, is centered in Jesus Christ. Hmm. Amen. The word confronts the things that will hinder the will of God. Amen. And lastly, I believe this is it. The Antichrist, the Antichrist spirit, hates the church. Dr. Tony Evans says, the church is a spiritually redeemed body of believers that is to legislate the heavenly values of the kingdom of God on the earth. It is the spiritually redeemed body of believers that is to legislate the heavenly values of the kingdom of God on the earth. In other words, we put into practice the values of the kingdom of God. We do the work. We ratify it. Yeah. We put it into action. Yeah. The heavenly values of the kingdom. That's what the church is here for. Yeah. The church is built and God's kingdom advance, is advanced by faithful believers who serve Christ to the best of their ability. God designed the church to be, hear me, the epicenter of the culture. He designed the church to be the epicenter. In other words, not a church in the city. We are to be the church that surrounds the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. We are to be the epicenter, the focal point, yeah. the, the feeding place yeah. of the culture. Yeah. And the church's strength and, or weakness is a major determining factor in the success or failure of human civilization since the church alone possesses the keys to the kingdom and its authority. Yeah. The success or failure of our civilization or our culture rests on us. On yeah. <laughs> we always try to shuffle it off on God, but that is not necessarily, that is not true. The church is supposed to be influencing the culture, not the culture influencing the church. Yeah. Let me tell you this. God did not save you just to go to church. 
He saved you so that you would be the church. He didn't save you just to go. He saved you to be. Mm. And if you are the church that God needs in this hour, then Satan's plan would be disrupted. Mm. It won't be stopped, but it'll be disrupted. Mm. Why do you say that? Well, God's will is that no one perish, but there will be some that just won't give in. There will be some that just won't receive Jesus as their Savior. There are just some that are stuck up in their pride and think about me, 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 and self-centeredness that God has no choice but like Satan to send them to hell. It won't do the work. And the ultimate reason the Antichrist spirit hates the church is because the church is the bride of Christ, which is the closest thing to his heart. Now, you know the one place that Satan loves to attack is those that are closest to you. He gets in between a husband and a wife. He gets in between the parents and their children. The closest thing that's close to your heart, that's the one thing that he attacks, one of the things that he attacks. And the Antichrist spirit attacks believers, attacks the church, because it's the bride of Christ. Mm. So the Antichrist spirit hates God. He hates life. He hates the family. He hates authority. He hates the prophetic word. And he hates the church. Mm. And if you are a believer, he hates you. But you need to position yourself to recognize the spirit of Antichrist. And it's right here in the word. Verse 1 says, well, let me say this. You need to try, you need to test the Spirit's action. You need to try, you need to test the Spirit's action. What do you mean by that? It's right here. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but do what? Try the spirits, whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So let's stop there. These spirits, John talked, spoke of were not just disembodied supernatural beings. John taught that a prophet or teacher was the actual mouthpiece for a spirit because a spirit is behind every prophet or teacher, but it might also be a false spirit. Yes. Now, teachers of truth are filled with the spirit of God and are his agents who speak for God. Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11, and then 13 through 15 in the New King, King James Version, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He fulfilled his promise because Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit is on the earth right now. And when he is come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Satan has already been judged. He's already condemned to hell. There's no redemption for Satan. Why? Because he has blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. And when you blaspheme, there is no redemption. 
Mm. Verse 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Why? He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Now, let me say this. Whatever he hears from the throne of God, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take care of mine and declare it to you. Declare to you. The prophets and teachers are part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you that. Let me say this again. Prophets and teachers are part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means any prophet or so-called teacher that does not tell you the truth or lead you to the truth of God's word is a false teacher or prophet because being a prophet and a teacher means that you are connected to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will not tell you anything false. In fact, the Bible just told us he will lead you into all truth. So everything he says is true. Why? Because it's true. Mm. True ministry in the Holy Spirit never serves a private agenda. Let me hear you. Let me say that again. True ministry in the Holy Spirit, if you're being used by the Holy Spirit in a real and truthful way, it never serves a private agenda or your agenda. When he is working in us and through us, he never exalts himself, but continually glorifies Christ who glorifies the Father. So you need to test the spirits. If this spirit is trying to exalt itself above Jesus Christ, if it's trying to exalt itself and put the spotlight on themselves and not him, then you need to get away from that. Because that is the antichrist spirit at work. You need to test the spirit's doctrine or theology. Look at verse number two and three in this chapter. It says this. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth Jesus is come in the flesh is of what? God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of who? God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof you have heard that it should come and even now is already in the world. The crux of the test is a spirit's acknowledgement or rejection of Jesus Christ as the incarnate Son of God. In other words, those the, the, the spirit acknowledgement that Jesus is God's incarnate Son, you know that's from God. But when a spirit or somebody says that, that they don't believe that Jesus came as God's incarnate Son, then you know that you know that you know that it's not from God. Because if the answer is yes, the Spirit of God is behind those who believe that Jesus is God's Son. If not, their entire, the, let me say that, the entire teaching should be rejected. Ought to be, must be, has to be rejected. That person is a false teacher. That Spirit is teaching you false doctrine, if they try to discount 
that Jesus is, is God's incarnate that came in the flesh. Amen? This test now was apropos in John's day. Remember, I told you this is not a new spirit. As the heresy of Gnosticism was becoming prevalent. Gnosticism taught that Jesus only appeared to have a human body, but was not actually a flesh and blood person. This is not a new spirit. A confession of Jesus involves more than an admission of his identity. It is a profession of faith in him and submission to his sovereignty. The Holy Spirit testifies to and glorifies Jesus. Therefore, a, a confession proclaiming the truth that Jesus is the incarnate Christ is of God and testifies both to his full humanity as our Savior and Redeemer and his full deity as Lord and Sovereign King. So I said all that to say this, and I repeated it several times through here, just in case you miss it, I'm going to say this. If someone, or if you listen to somebody on television, or it's in a song, or if you're reading a book, and they try to get you to believe that Jesus did not come as fully human, but yet and still he was still God in the flesh. That is the Antichrist spirit trying to attach itself to you, trying to uh, suppress you, trying to oppress you. You get away from that. You have to get away from that. You ought to reject that teaching. In other words, let me put it where you can get it. You have to know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and nobody, no devil in hell, no pandemic in this earth, nobody in the White House is going to get you to believe anything different. Amen? Amen. You have to test the spirits or that person speaking doctrine or theology. And you have to test it through your own thoughts. Because the devil will get you to try to get you to believe things that are not necessarily true. He don't have to use an outside person. He'll use your own thoughts against you. He'll say, well, if, God, if Jesus is the son of God, how can you let this and such happen to you? If he is the son of God, well, you know, you're in a human body. So how could he be perfect? He tries to sow doubt into your mind. When those, those, those seeds of doubt start popping up in your mind, you know that's the Antichrist spirit trying to come in and influence you. Amen. Test that theology. Test that doctrine. Try it. Amen? That's what test means. And then lastly, you need to do this. You need to trust your resource. Trust your resource. Well, what's your resource? Let's look at C. Verse 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in your world. He is not in the world. He is not just your resource. He is your source. Yeah. So you need to trust your source. As a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The Bible says in another place, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do, let me tell you this. 
Don't fear the devil. Don't fear the spirit of Antichrist. Don't fear the false prophet or the lying teacher because you have the spirit of truth. Now, the tremendous pressure in the ocean's depths can crush a human diver. But if you descend in a pressurized diving boat bell, it exerts pressure outward to protect you from destruction. As a believer in the world today, even though you are feeling the pressure, and you should be feeling pressure, I know I do, of the world, and that's, that's normal, and part of normal Christian life, because time is constricting. Time is actually winding up. And you can't prevent the pressure or the spirit of Antichrist putting the pressure on you. But as a believer, you shouldn't fear because the pressure inside you is greater than the pressure that's on you. And the pressure that's inside you will push the pressure that's on you away. Why? Because greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. So this week, I want you, I mean, I want you to start declaring it even right now. Yes. Say, repeat this after me. Say, greater, greater is, he is he that is within me, that is within me than, he than he that is in, that is in the, world. the world. God is greater. Yes. And as a believer, you have him inside of you. So no matter what's going on around, no matter what's happening, even in this culture, we have the greater one inside us. Yes. And the spirit of the Antichrist or the Antichrist spirit can't do nothing about it. That's the shouting good news. That's the shouting good news. So don't look for a man. Look for a movement. And if the movement is taking you away and taking your eye, taking your focus off Jesus Christ, that is the Antichrist spirit trying to move you, trying to get you to turn away from and trying to take you off the path that leads to Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And if you have not received Jesus as your Savior, you need to do that because that's the only way that you can have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And if you have received Jesus, but for some reason or whatever the case may be, you got caught up and you got off the beaten path, uh, you, you can reconnect with him right here, right now, on today. And, and all we all can repeat this. After, just repeat this. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart again. Lord God, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. But I recognize that it's only you that can lead me by your spirit. Holy Spirit, I invite you in right here, right now. Baptize me with your presence. Fill me with your love. Your presence is what I desire and what I need in this day. Satan, I rebuke you. I am in authority because I live in a body and I possess a soul 
and I am led by my spirit. So get behind me, get under my feet, in Jesus' name. Lord, show me this week how to get closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word that sets us free. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing, your yoke-destroying, burden-removing power ah, that makes us, breaks us, delivers us, heals us and sets us free, that leads us into your truth, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen. Hallelujah. If you want to like to sow into our ministry, please follow the link below or mail it to 2828 West Flint Street right here in Peoria at 61604. Please continue to be vigilant in wearing your mask, being socially distanced, distant and washing your hands. Get educated on the vaccine that's coming or that's out. Get educated. Talk to your health professional, your doctors, before you come to a determination whether to do it or not to do it. Get yourself educated. But until you get it, and even after you get it, continue to follow what you need to do to protect yourself as well as others that are around, especially during this season. Please keep in prayer all of the healthcare workers that have been dealing with this for so many months, that have seen death in unprecedented measures. I even ask you to pray for those morticians who's been having to deal with families. I mean, like back to back to back, sometimes even here locally, three and four funerals in one day. May not all be related to COVID, but still COVID is a, a contributor. I ask you to pray for those uh, who, who have COVID right now, who are in the hospital, who are not in the hospital, who are in isolation, who are quarantining. I ask you to pray for those families who have lost loved ones because they have died from COVID. I ask you to continue to be prayerful, to continue to be careful, but don't be fearful, but do those things that God has commissioned us to do in wisdom. Walk in wisdom and in love. So let us not leave with malice in our heart. But let us leave with love for one another. Let's leave with a prayer, not for ourselves, but for others. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. You are blessed going out, and you are blessed coming in. The enemy comes in one way, but he has to flee seven ways. Why? You are blessed. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the lender and not the borrower. You are blessed. So I speak life to you. I speak life to your family. I speak life to your finances. I speak life to your health. Be blessed, Larissa, and I love you. God bless you, and God keep you is our prayer. Bless you.